This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by Baker Books, a division of Baker Publishing Group, which seeks to build up the body of Christ through books that are relevant, intelligent, and engaging. Visit bakerbooks.com. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? If this is your first time at Truth's Table, welcome to the table. And if you've been sitting at the table with us all these years, we are so grateful that you have been listening to us through these years, and we are inviting you to partner with us and support our work at patreon.com slash truthstable. Now pull up a chair and have a seat at the table with us. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, midwives of culture for grace and truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, see How you doing, girl? Well, rise, shine. Give God the glory. It's an early recording morning around here, so... I'm all right. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually a, a bit of a morning person. So uh, at least that's when I do my best thinking. How are you doing this fine morning? You know, I'm a morning person. So not an early morning recording person, but I am a morning person. So yes. I am doing well on yes. this fine uh, day that the yes. Lord hath made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, mm-hmm. We're still in the summer. It's well, still summering well, out here. It's, as in summering, it's simmering. Simmering hot. <laughs> Okay, well, and let's not even get into that. I don't even want to go what's, you know, why people aren't concerned, but okay. <laughs> okay. Exactly. But, you know, as it's been summering, we too have been summering. We have been making moves, see, this yeah, summer. It's been busy. We've been here, there, everywhere. Listen, Carmen San Diegoan is what we've been doing. So, yes, and one of the fun places that we, fun yet edifying experiences, was the EK Daily Preaching Conference in Texas. And so I've, I've wanted to go to this conference for a number of years. There are a handful of conferences that I'm like, oh, I'm going to get there. But, you know, I, have, <laughs> I tend to have this thing where because of my travel schedule, if I'm not doing something at a conference, it's hard for me to swing it just for my own enjoyment, right? So, but we had an opportunity to go and to present in a couple different ways. And so what you think about this EK Daily Preaching Conference, Kimini? Yeah, it was obviously it was uh, our first time there, and I really enjoyed myself. I love good preaching, so mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to the conference. Obviously, because it's a um, historic conference, it has a lot of um, you know legacy and um, notoriety attached to it, and so that was it was just ex- exciting and and an honor really um, to be invited, you know, to to speak and to facilitate there. But really beyond that, I was really looking forward to the preaching. That's what I was there for. Um, and the preaching did not disappoint. There are like, oh my goodness. I don't, you know, I'm not even going to name names because if I name names, then I'm going to leave yeah. somebody else. So I'm going to get offended. But there were so go many. Go to the website. Go to the-, go to the website. There were so many good sermons that I'm like, literally this morning I was like, I need to see if I can access this sermon, this sermon. There's like four of them, at least four of them that I need to listen to. So re-listen to. I mean, I got my help. It was just, we had a good time, a funky good time in the Lord. And not to mention the praise and worship. (laughs) The music was outstanding. And, you know, Kimmy knows that I, I, you know, I feel like I'm the shadow member of every worship team. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Shadow choir member. I don't need to be on the stage, but I do support you from afar. You know, I'm, I have been told by worship leaders, like, I see you and you help us. And I'm like, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you. That's right. So, yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that was amazing. And obviously there were also a number of workshops that you could go to and, um, and just fellowshipping and connecting with people that 
from around the country. I got to see one of my dear, dear line sisters and the husband got to see one of his best friends that he grew up with. So so they were like sweet little additions. And obviously we ate really good food while we were there. Yes, yes. And I got to meet some of the, the um, pastors of him, blessed, whose ministries, you know, I've been following online, who mama's, I got to finally tell them, your ministry is blessed me. <laughs> um, and just tell them this sermon in particular, because I am a, ser- a sermon they may not remember, but you're like, let me tell you. And when you said this part, <laughs> that's right. This part. You know, because I'm that person, y'all. I'm not playing when I do not play about my sermons. But yeah, it was really, um, we really had a wonderful time. And, you know, and we had actually learned that, um, you know, being there and being asked to facilitate, we actually facilitated a panel um, entitled The Stories, Exploring the Stories of Women in Genesis. Um, But we actually went beyond that and more so into the Old Testament, really um, more so. But but we were told that actually uh, us having an all-female panel was actually very, it was historic. That was actually the first time that that's actually ever happened. So Truth Table made history, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> unbeknownst to us. And it was, it, was, it was great, you know. So, Christina, you want to talk about the panel who was on oh, it yeah. and what they're about to hear? Yeah, so the, so the panel itself was, uh, you know, specifically about women in Genesis, the whole theme of the conference was really about preaching through the book of Genesis. And the cool thing about this about this conference, I think if you are a preacher, you know, you're pretty consistent in the pulpit or you're a Sunday school teacher, um, they, they go through a, a, a theme and they kind of stick with that so that when you leave this conference, you should have a head start, at least a whole lot of inspiration and tools to help set you up for a preaching series. So it's not only edifying and fun, it's super practical. So I would commend this to those who are uh, serving ministries in this way, this particular conference. But that panel talked about women in Genesis, but just more broadly, like preparation for preaching sermons, for talking about women in the text that are often ignored or misinterpreted uh, because he projects so much misogyny and foolishness and shenanigans into their stories. And so there's a need for us to have a bit of a fresh wind in order to better understand what's happening in the text, especially as it relates to women uh, in scripture. And so we had an outstanding panel. We had uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Danielle Brown, who is a preacher's preacher and teaches teaches preaching. And it's very clear from artistry and skill level. She just does a thing. Shout out. Um, and then we have our beloved friend, uh, Lisa Fields of Jude 3 Project, um, who of course was there giving her wisdom and insight. And of course, last but not least is Kokesha Bailey, who uh, is the daughter of the late Reverend Bailey, um, but uh, a woman of God and um, both in higher education and a church woman as well. So our panel was just filled with um, these exceptional leaders who are known not only for their for their skill and what they, with how they serve in the in the ministry, but also behind the scenes. These are just some really lovely, godly women that we got to to talk to. Yes, y'all. So we hope that you um, enjoy uh, this special <laughs> episode of really True Stable. It really was True Stable live at the uh, 2023 EK mm. Bailey Preaching Conference. So enjoy it, take it in, and we're glad to have you at the table. Well, so we had our first question lined up for Reverend Dr. Danielle Brown, but as you can see, she's somewhere talking to Jesus right now. And so, That's right. That's for right. sure. But, but you know what, I'm, I'm gonna pitch that question out to you all, because one of the things that I wanted to hear her talk a little bit was about how she prepared 
yes. to approach that particular text. And if there is a certain burden and privilege in lifting up often ignored women in Scripture when you are a woman who preaches. And so would either of you like to take that question? I'm so grateful for Dr. Danielle Brown, and I honor all women in ministry and leadership yes, that are present. Yes. You belong here, and God affirms you, and so do we. Thank you to Pastor Carter for this illustrious invitation. Just because your father's name is on the conference, it doesn't mean you have to be invited. And so I thank the Lord for amazing grace, and thank you to my super bad sisters. In partnership, we are better together. I'd like to take a stab at the question. I think it's always important that we do not read scripture with individualistic eyes. Yes. And I offer to you a recommendation to consider reading the book, Misinterpreting Scripture Through Individualistic Eyes. It's important that we know that we cannot interpret scripture through the lens of 2023. Come on. We must put on the lens of biblical antiquity. And because that is a different culture, somebody say a different culture. Different culture. Then it is important that we know that women of the Bible were viewed as property. And men of the Bible were viewed as 401k plans or insurance coverage. Somebody ought to be grateful that this is not that day. But because of that, there are women in the Bible who have a presence but are voiceless. There are women in the Bible who are ostracized and marginalized. And there are incredible women witnesses that we never learn about because they are unnamed. That's right. But Jesus has called to give us a memory where we have grown amnesia. And so preaching these difficult texts like Dr. Brown has done so beautifully and biblically on today mm -hmm. means that we have to take time to preach the whole counsel of God, oh, not wow. just the feel-good scriptures on worship. Sometimes we have to preach on sin. Sometimes we have to preach on redemption and justification and adoption. But I urge you pastors, male and female, to not forget the women who are unnoticed and unnamed. Mm -hmm. And so that means that we have to do some deep digging in our research to give vocal cords to those that have been muted. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, so uh, Reverend Dr. Danielle Brown, wearing that lovely top. Listen. See, now, if you preach like that, you too can have a wardrobe change. <laughs> and, and so we warmed up a little bit waiting for you because we knew we were, you were still talking to Jesus because he obviously gave you that word for us today. But the question that I, that I just raised and Kokisha uh, began to answer for us is about the burden and privilege that a woman preacher has when lifting up a text about a misunderstood woman. And I wanted to know how you, just a little bit about your mental and tactical preparation uh, to take us to where you took us today. Well, one, the, the task of preaching always begins with prayer. Right, and I think that uh, as preachers, we bring our whole selves to the text. And so the world, the way that I show up in the world and the world, the, the way that I experience the world, uh, the way the world experiences me, the way that I experience the world, all of that also comes to the preparation desk, right? And so I, I probably will never preach a text that I can't identify with in some way or preach about a woman 
uh, particularly in, in the text, that is not necessarily consistent uh, with uh, what, what my convictions are. I, I don't think that there's anyone that's insignificant in the text. So when I approach um, the text, I do this grid often. I teach you know, preachers and, and students the same thing. Uh, this grid uh, where on one column I list everyone who's in the passage, the people who are, are mentioned, the people who are not mentioned but should be there. Right, the people who are kind of there, but they don't really get a lot of, and then in the other columns, I, I list what they're thinking, feeling, and doing. And that forces me to take several looks at the text uh, and, and to consider, right, in, in my sanctified imagination, uh, what, what are they thinking and feeling and doing, and in real ways, right? Um, because also, when you're coming to the preparation table, you're going to preach to real people who have real uh, experiences. Dr. Cynthia Hale is a master of this, of taking a lofty concept and just kind of making it live. And, and so I'm intentional in my preparation to try to make sure I can do that. I don't want people to leave just with information, but I want them to be able to see themselves in this text that, ha that is happening in a different culture and a different time when people had different perspectives. Um, am I always uh, effective? Probably not always, <laughs> but I always endeavor, right, to, to go there, and I hope that answers your question. Amen, and you, and you were effective today by the grace of God, and we were very blessed. You were effective but you, today. You, you got me to identify with Judah today. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm Judah too. I am the man. I am the man. <laughs> and give me, take it away. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, yeah, I was just so blessed, so blessed by your sermon and your message. And I was like, y'all, we could have done this whole panel about her, her sermon, okay? Um, but I would love, on the heels of uh, the story of Tamar, I would love to hear from y'all sisters about what the stories of women, uh, um, what, what stories do y'all find intriguing about women in the Bible that are often overlooked? And I would love to hear that from you, my sister Lisa. You know, can you speak, speak to that about some intriguing question, um, 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 stories of women in the Bible that are often overlooked and, and what's the price of overlooking them and what can we, how can, what can we learn from these, from these women? Yeah, that's a great question. As I was thinking about this panel, I was thinking about the women that we overlook in Genesis and we talk, we talk about the matriarchs, um, but we forget about the maids, Bilhah and Zilpah. Yeah. that are, are present in the text yes. and how they are used by both the matriarchs and patriarchs for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we think about those women because when we think about them, then we think about Hagar and the fact that God allows her to give him a name, the only person that is able to give God a name. And That's she right. says that God is the God who sees. That's right. And I think when we think about the maids, Bil Bilhah and Zilpah and Hagar, we think about a God that sees them, mm. that, that they're both used by matriarchs and patriarchs mm. for their own benefit, but God doesn't use them, God sees them, mm. and God loves them, and he, yes. he recognizes their humanity. And that forces us to think through the people that we overlook in the text. That's right. And so I, I want to lift up their names today because God sees them, and we should too. Amen. 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 Thank you. I, um, I, I am intrigued by Lot's wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I feel Go like there. her story <laughs> is so underrated that we lean hard on the pillar of salt. But if we look at the rest of her story, 
right, the night before she takes that fatal look back, her husband offers her daughters up to be raped by an angry mob. Right? Um, her, her station in life, what they have, is because of her husband's uncle. Right? So, so there, you know, there's a whole lot happening there that I think we look at this isolated moment and don't, are not always conscious to look at the whole story. And so, and, and it happens because however we deal with women in the biblical text is how we're going to deal with the women in our everyday life. Come on. That's it. Right? Absolutely. And so if I only see you as one moment when you made a, a mistake or, or you did something that is kind of, oh, look what she did. Right? We also have to take a moment to consider one another's whole journeys. What led you to that point? Right? So, so Lot's wife is, is for me uh, one of the, the women I'm intrigued with. Would you add to that for us? I remember the sadness after learning that Lot offered his daughters. Visiting angels came to the city. God was growing frustrated with Sodom. Men, these angels started knocking on the door. Because they were wicked, they wanted to have relations with the men in the house. Right. And Lot said, I have an idea. You can have my daughters. One of the things that I take from that story is that Lot chose hospitality over holiness. <laughs> so that's one thing that we can remember. I said it in last year's text with the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, and it applies here. Women need your protection. Mm. Now that I have one foot in the black church, one foot in higher ed, mm -hmm. and I must say, even in Christian higher ed, we need your protection. But we're at home in Wakanda. Mm -hmm. Black women, we need your protection. Yes. Mm -hmm. And who in your congregation mm -hmm. is being offered to people to be abused in the name of hospitality? <laughs> we must return to holiness. That's right. Lot teaches us how wicked it was to offer the daughters that God had entrusted to him. Mm -hmm. So my brothers and my sister, the question is a question of stewardship. Stewardship makes you not offer some people. Mm. Stewardship helps us to protect others. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yes, put that in your pocket. And how far we have fallen. In Genesis 2, 23, we witnessed the first recorded statement by a human in all the Bible. Uh, within this statement, Adam is clearly affirming Eve. I think of it as the first R&B song. Uh, that Adam sings about Eve. We need a return to R&B, y'all, by the way. Real R&B, where men like women that they sing about. Uh, well, what, well, side note, well. what would this affirmation of a woman have meant to the original audience that heard this? And how has this clear affirmation been distorted historically? And how can the church lead the way in reestablishing this affirmation of women? Everybody's like, that's a great question. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the affirmation challenges how we view women today. Mm -hmm. And we see women as the problem. Right. And as Dr. Brown already 
eloquently articulated, mm -hmm. we are not the problem. Mm -hmm. Now, we are all born in sin and shaping iniquity, so we all have our part to play in, in the problems of the world. But this focus, I think, in society is that women are the problem for men. Mm -hmm. And so I think this affirmation flips that on its head, mm -hmm. that God took his time mm -hmm. creating us mm -hmm. out of a rib of man mm -hmm. and formed us, mm -hmm. and that we have unique value. We are the image of God as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important to note because we're not just somebody to be cast to the side. And so I think that's something that we could take from the affirmation mm -hmm. of women that will help women today, affirm women who mm -hmm. felt marginalized, who mm -hmm. felt not seen, not heard, mm -hmm. that God honors women. Mm -hmm. So much so that he would let a woman name him. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm going to keep letting y'all hang with that. Alas, she is bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. Not she's my competition. Not she's seeking to take what I think belongs to me or I assume I'm better at. But alas, she is like me. But oh, look at this remix. How far have we fallen and what can we learn? Well, I, I think that it also, that affirmation is consistent even with the relationship of the Godhead, right? One to another, it, this uh, homoousia of the same substance, right? That, that God exists in three persons, but one, right? Um, and, and the same with, with men and women, right? That we are of the same substance, and I think that uh, we get mixed up or we allow ourselves to go too far with little nuances like well you know the male is first and so that means that that's lesser or she was just from a rib but it's the same substance right do you know that if you get a liver transplant you don't have to transplant the whole liver you can transplant a piece of it and then it'll grow into right because that that's how that relationship works too we're of the same substance um and, and so we, we've fallen pretty far from that in, in different spaces, right, that, that we have allowed culture to inform us that, that things are not as they should be. Uh, we, we've allowed, uh, you know, messaging. I think that particularly some of the uh, breach or whatever that, that exists between black men and women is, is the impact of systemic uh, internalized racial oppression. Right, that, that there are some systems that, that benefit from us not always being That's together, right. Right. Um, that, that have impacted us, and we have to call those systems out, but, but also hold one another accountable to this truth that I need you and you need me because we are of the same substance. We're partners in this. You're not good enough. How many of us have internalized this belief before we even reached adulthood? Where do these toxic beliefs come from about ourselves? In her new book, We'll All Be Free, How a Culture of White Supremacy Devalues Us and How We Can Reclaim Our True Worth, Caroline J. Sumlin deconstructs the different ways white supremacy culture has led to every single one of us believing an inherent lie of self-unworthiness. If you have struggled with perfectionism, self-doubt, unworthiness, or the unrelenting pressure to pursue someone else's version of success, this book will help you find the tools you need to silence the voice that seeks to keep you down. 
Truth Table listeners can get 40% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code FREEDOM40. That's promo code FREEDOM40 when you purchase will all be free at bakerbookhouse.com. You must make this purchase before August 31st, 2023. One more To receive 40% off of will all be free, you must order your copy at bakerbookhouse.com using promo code FREEDOM40 at the checkout. Thank you for that. Thank you. That actually leads into my next question in, um, in Genesis 3, particularly Genesis 3, verses about 14 to about 19, we, we see the consequences of the fall of the sin um, and of the first Adam disobeying and eating of the fruit that he was not supposed to eat of. And so we see the consequences and the curses written thereof. And I'm wondering about how you all interpret the relationship between uh, the intended relationship between Adam and Eve in a pre-fall context and how now, in light of the fall and the curses written therein, how that has impacted our relationship as a people. And I'm saying within our community because we're talking among family and we are overdue for a family meeting. So I would love to hear what any of y'all got to say about that. Thank you very much for the questions. And I loved y'all before you got here. (laughs) I deeply respect your ministries. Thank you. Now, if you will allow me to switch hats from preacher hat to dean hat, by God's grace. I say this from the purest part of my heart, because you can love something and critique something. Yes, yes, yes. I never thought I would love higher education as much as I love ministry, but I do. I never would have imagined an HBCU girl being called to white spaces. And I miss Chocolate City. But if I lived in Chocolate City, I would miss the spaces where I know I'm called to be a racial reconciler. It takes courage to go when you want to stay and courage to stay when you want to go. And so I thank God for an opportunity to double dutch while I can two professions by his grace. But y'all, and I'm talking to family, if you look at data and check out Dr. Christina's book, Anti-Faithful Racism, if I may offer that to you to read, The data is astounding that the most pettiness that comes in race relationships have come from the church. And in my role, my pushback, although it's a beautiful role and a historic role and a grace-giving role, comes because some people don't want to see a woman leading, some people don't want to see a black person leading, or some people don't want to see a woman in ministry leading. And so I offer you perhaps this to consider. Some people have misconstrued this portion of Genesis, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, to think that certain races are more superior. And I want you to know you don't have to be paid to be a dean of diversity to speak out against injustices. 
Genesis is filled with opportunities for us to level the playing field. And I want to share that Genesis offers us that women are culturalized, trivialized, minimized, and fraternalized. And I see that in both the global and local church and in Christian higher ed. And I'm asking for a call for us to return to the Bible because Eve was created from the rib, a place of protection, not from the head so that we can outthink women, not from the feet so we can trample over women, but from the rib, a place of protection. And one thing that we can do, as I said previously, is to protect and not to assume because you are one gender that you are exalted. Imago Day includes each of us, so we're cousins living in the same skin. But today I want to offer us encouragement that one race is not more superior to others. And if your library only has one race represented in authorship, it's time to diversify what you read, because what you read will be reflected in the diversity of the text that you preach. Thank you. That's good. Thank you for that. I mean, that makes us think about the Catholicity of the church, right? And that this is a part of um, the gift that Christ has won for himself as a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Um, and God has seen it as good. So it's not surprising in a patriarchal society, whether that's in the biblical text or today, that people tend to focus on, uh, if they have the mic, they focus on the people that they think are like themselves. And so there's a, a significant emphasis on the patriarchs. But I wonder if you would tell us, especially as we think about the book of Genesis, what are we losing out on when we do not focus on the matriarchs of the Genesis text? And also the parallel of when we miss people in the text, when we miss women in the text, how that causes us to miss women in real life. Well, I, again, no one in scripture is insignificant, right? right? I believe fundamentally that every person who is there, who's there, not mentioned, who should be there, is critical to the biblical text. And, and they're there because uh, if, if you believe that Scripture is divinely inspired, right, by God, they're, they're there for a reason, that, that it's important to preach and, uh, uh, and pay attention to everything in Scripture for your own growth and edification. If you leave certain people out for whatever reason, right, then you'll be stunted in that growth, and, and you miss out on opportunities to see yourself or to, to, to apply certain experiences that are found in Scripture to the world around us, that, that when we stick to, uh, when I was, uh, years ago, like, uh, Monday will be my 20th preaching anniversary as a, a licensed preacher. And I remember several years ago, I wanted to intentionally preach texts that I had never preached before and texts that just were not familiar. And um, an older preacher said to me, oh, no, you don't want to preach to people the stuff they're not familiar with. And I thought about it, and I'm like, well, how are they going to be familiar with it if we never preach it, right? And so when we ignore women or we ignore, and we love to lean hard on the matriarchs that are in the direct lineage of Jesus, but there are some other women who, who are not necessarily in positions of power, right? 
um, and, and, and we sometimes ignore those women, but there's so much value in everybody in the text. And so we've got to preach the whole Bible, right? Uh, the stuff that we're comfortable with, the stuff that we're not comfortable with. Uh, deal with it because there's something valuable in everything, and those people are there for a reason. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, oh, Lisa, do you have something to add? Yeah, I was going to say, on, on a basic level, we would not be here without women. Yes. And so I think when we ignore yes. women, we ignore the vehicle in which God brought us into this world. Yes. Yes. I think on the, when we think about the text and looking in Genesis and seeing the women on the margins yes. that are not seen, not heard. We can think about ourselves as a people in the U.S. as black people who often go unseen and unheard. And so if we want to know how God responds to the unseen and unheard, we need to look at the women in the text because they give us the blueprint of how God responds to the unseen and unheard. We are not, we are minorities and on the margins. And so if we want to look to see hope in the text for us, we have to look at the women. Yes. Yeah, thank you for that, Lisa. You know, um, equity and, and inclusion is a hot topic in sacred and secular spaces and in light of the recent Supreme Court ruling that has serious um, implications for DEI work. Um, I'm wondering, from the book of Genesis, looking at how women um, are portrayed and spoken of in that book in particular, uh, how can the church begin to address, uh, or, or what would you, how does Genesis speak uh, to women's roles and, and affirmation of their leadership, and how can we address that in our preaching in the church? The Bible from Genesis to Revelation, which is one book, <laughs> has a redemptive thread. Does your preaching? Mm. Because many times, and thank you, Dr. Brown, mm. we hear one side of the story. I laughed with my sister's class yesterday. Thank you so much, Pastor Carter. I never felt more freed up mm -hmm. to tell the truth. Yeah. If I could just talk to you as an adult preacher's kid, sometimes pastors' families hear my heart because you can critique what you love. I'll fight you over the church, and I'll fight you over talking about pastors, pastor spouses, and PKs. But just because I love the church doesn't mean I haven't been wounded by the church. I can't critique the church. And I appreciate your ministry and respect it so much, Lisa, because the generations that are exiting the church because they're frustrated by the generations that say, if you disagree with me, I, don't, I won't talk to you anymore. Or I disagree with your lifestyle so you don't have a place anymore. And thank you for giving all people a place. Mm -hmm. Sa'u Buana is I see you. I see God in you. And I see your existence. And many times we throw around these words that sound nice, but we don't live it out theologically. So I, I ask you to consider the wounded in your congregations, the wounded who are teaching and preaching and limping that need love 
I ask you also to remember the women who have gifts but feel stunted and feel muted. The women of Genesis empowers me because Eve is a reflection of Imago Dei. And no matter what she did, they did it together. together. And no matter what Tamar did, they did it together. So let's remember the theme of redemption when we preach. And let's also remember that just because women aren't being used in your context doesn't mean they're not being utilized in the world. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That's good. Dr. Brown, you have anything to add on that? Well, on the panel yesterday, I said that I, I believe that justice uh, means, or being created in the Majo Day mm. places upon us all, male and female, uh, the responsibility to engage in the work of justice. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, right, justice is ensuring that everything God created has what it needs to thrive. And so Genesis tells us that, right, that they're stewarding Adam and Eve over everything that God created and, you know, naming this and naming that and then, you know, having to do this work. And so I think that Genesis tells us that, that where it comes to women in leadership, uh, we see to it that every woman has what she needs to thrive in the ways and the areas that God has designed her to thrive, right? And I think that it works in both directions, right? Because I believe that, that uh, we are partners in this work. And so uh, brothers make sure that sisters have what we need and, and we make sure that brothers have what they need and then we make sure that one another has what we need. But there's a, a, a piece there though. In order to do that or, or position ourselves or take on that responsibility, we also have to have a level of mutual respect for this truth that God has called all of us to something. I, I believe that every person who was created was created as, as the answer, God's answer to a problem in the earth, right? And so when I see you not as my competition or not as somebody who's always out to get me, right? Then I, I can see you as, hey, you are an answer. And if we partner together, there's some stuff that we can solve together. And I'll make sure you have what you need and you make sure I have what I need. And, and, and also us with one another, that, that we can't infight also like as, as sisters, that, that we have to have sisterhood that is real. And we get behind yes. one another and show up for one another and cheer away. if nobody is cheering, right? You know, we're, we're cheering one for another because we respect the call and the gift and grace of God and understand that as a Mago Day, we have the responsibility to ensure that the world around us is just for whomever is going to function in that. Thank you. So we have a remaining few minutes or so as I'm trying to be respectful of that big screen right, right there. Um, it, and I just want to say you all are incredibly gracious women. Because as I was thinking and reflecting on these questions, one of the things I thought to myself, Lord, the Lord is still working on me, is I don't think people preach about certain women in the text because it, mess, it messes up their narratives. And so there are people that are skipped because they have theologies that are built around them not being there. Um, That's right. so, it's a, so whether that is done through a, um, a convenient or an, um, an implicit ignorance, or whether it's on the nose malicious, like Thomas Jefferson's Bible, right? Um, avoiding people that mess up our theological narrative 
uh, avoiding passages that mess up our theological narrative. And we can be so committed to a particular theological school of thought that it becomes more important than the work of the Holy Spirit illuminating the text for us. So on that note, I want y'all in love to mess up somebody's theological framework in grace. Because yeah. you love them. Because you, the you love them. Shake the table. Shake the table. Shake yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah. And, and as people think about and prepare to go home and study anew and study afresh, uh, who would you want to lift up? What story? What narrative? Um, that would help to mess us up in a good way, to help us to more lovingly see people who are not seen. I just want to quickly say, this is so difficult to narrow down the question to one answer. So my response, one answers the question, one doesn't have anything to do with the question, but it fits. We're not going to stop you. <laughs> Pay women what they are worth. Oh, oh that's a word and may equity be reflected in the pay. Support this message. Because we invite women, and sometimes the check of the male revivalist doesn't match the check of the female revivalist. Come on, come on, come on, come on testify. And this is not a slap, because many in here have been beyond generous and paid me more than I deserve. But there have been checks that cleared from male colleagues when women's checks were bouncing. Uh-oh. That's equity. Equity is do I have women in C-suite positions? Do I have women not just reflected in our marketing but in our messaging? Well, yeah. Equity is do I have women on every council of the church that has a voice, not just a face, but a voice. At our school, I have to say, I can't be a part of a program where you have black students on the website if they're not in the clubs. Well, yeah. I have to say thank you for this historic seat. I'm so honored. I love this job, but what are the black people being paid here? Mm. Mm. And where is our history in the classroom? That's equity. That's right. I had to report someone recently, I wish I could say turn the monitors and the streaming off. <laughs> because someone was irritated by what I think equity is. Mm. And then I was referred to with a racial slur. Oh stand up for equity in the church first. So that people are equipped to stand up in it on their jobs when they're isolated and alone. Now the answer to the question. All right. Preach on Sarah, but don't stop there. Remember all barren women of the Bible, mm. and barren doesn't mean you just can't have a baby. Yeah. Push as midwives the women in your church that are spiritually barren, that are professionally barren. Pastor Carter and Sister Carter, I love that after church you can go out and support black businesses. That's helping businesses not be barren. That's yeah, equity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Lisa, I see you. I see you. The, the little spirit will turn and come on. The great come founder on. of Jude 3. <laughs> so I think about a text. This isn't in Genesis, but I think about when the children of Israel found the law where it was supposed to be. When Josiah, um, when they found the law in the temple where it was supposed to be. Um, and I think about that, and I think about who they called when they found it. Hmm. 
they didn't call a man. They called a prophetess. Yes. And I think that text messes with our theology. Yes. Because in a patriarchal society, there was other prophets that could be called. Yes. But they called a woman yes. to see what thus saith the Lord. And I think thinking about that passage shows that God uses women at crucial moments in time yes, hallelujah. to reform his church and to lead people. And if we don't see texts like that, we'll think that a man is the only person that God is calling. And we'll only put our support behind men. But God uses women in very unique ways That's to right. speak his word at unique times yes, to get his people to where he wants them to be. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Like leading apologetics organizations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. What did you say, mess with their theology? Is that what it is? You know you kind so, of well, pass. Shake it a little bit. You know, we can use another scripture outside of Proverbs 31 for well, women's days and women's functions. Come on, come on. Because Listen. that's not a real person. <laughs> that is somebody's mama's ideal. And y'all know your mamas. The, that woman does not exist in its entirety, right? And so, so it'll be good for us to really look at that, right? And, and be real about what it is, <laughs> right? Uh, be, because uh, we create these standards and constructs that say, this is what you have to be. And, and that, that's not what's happening. Um, you know, a, a King Lemuel's mother is giving an idea of what she would like for her baby. <laughs> And, and she doesn't. And then the other thing is, if you're going to use uh, Ruth as, and, and Boaz as Come the on. example for her uh, dating and how women should be, and you know, I'm not saying don't use it. I just want you to know that when, you said mess with their theology, right? That when, when Naomi tells Ruth to go into Boaz and uncover his feet, she doesn't mean feet. Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Thank y'all so much for, and give it up for our panel. We want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode using the hashtag TruceTable. And Black women, did y'all know we have a Black women's Facebook discipleship group? Well, you do now. Make sure you follow Truth Table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable's audio producer is Joshua Heath. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And Truthstable's executive producers and hosts are Akemini Uwan and Christina Edmondson. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.